Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I'm going to ask you, before you sit, why don't you stay standing? We're going to read scripture together. We don't want to be up and down the whole night, but a good squat is always good every now and again. But we're going to turn our eyes to the screen. We're going to read a whole chapter of Daniel. We're starting a four-week series out of the book of Daniel, if you're wanting to know where it is. And it's halfway in your, in your Bible, about halfway through. And we're going to read a whole chapter tonight. So the good news is no matter what I preach, if it's rubbish after this moment, at least we've read a chapter of the Bible together. That's good news, at least, eh? So there we go. So it's going to be on the screen. We stand to read scripture here at Life Changes because we want to value not the opinion of a fired up redhead, not the opinion of a pastor, but rather we want to say the only thing that can change us is the word of God. And we lift it up and we say, this is the highest authority in our lives. So as we stand, I ask you to open up your hearts as we read scripture together. Scripture itself says, do not neglect the public reading of scripture. And that's what we're going to do tonight. I'm excited. Everyone all right for that? Here we go. So a whole lengthy type. So let's do it. Daniel chapter 1, it says this, During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over the King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who have been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Case in point. Just, if you wanted an image in your head, sorry. Wait, who laughed? Who laughed? Come on. The, let's go to the next one. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin, my own parenthesis says what's wrong with pale and thin, but anyway. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and test them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, 
the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed them as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Let's pray before you sit. Father, this evening we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word has power to change us. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. I thank you, Father God, we posture our hearts now in expectation that your work would do what it has set forth to do. I thank you, Father, your word is truth. Now change us by that truth. And Father, I appeal and pray, would you forgive those men who gave the 2023 World Cup to the, to the French and not to South Africa? Forgive them, Lord. They did not know what they were doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you take a seat? It's brilliant to be together this evening. As I mentioned, we're starting a four-week series into the book of Daniel. It's an exciting book with a lot going on in it. And I want to tell you, we love, we're so excited for this series. Because in the book of Daniel, there's stories of ordinary men, slaves uh, in, in this foreign kingdom, getting authority and audiences with kings. We see in this book, Men being thrown into a fiery furnace and surviving. We see stories of an invisible hand writing warnings on a wall that shape a whole kingdom. We see stories of a man being thrown into a lion's den, spending the, light, the night with a, with a very ravenous, hungry lion, but the lion have not been able to open its mouth and harm him. The greatest lion taming act that you'll ever see. We see these exciting stories, but I want to tell you that's not why we're that excited to preach this. We're excited to preach this because, yes, these things happened, but we believe that these things are going to happen again, that they happen still today. We believe God is still in the business of using ordinary men and women, just like you and I, to do extraordinary things, even in face of opposition. Let me rephrase that. Actually, because of opposition. God wants to do amazing things in and through us. And we're excited about this. And I want to give you some context very quickly for this series and this great book we're studying. The story starts with this nation called Babylon, this massive empire which is situated in present-day Iraq. And Babylon came over the hill and invaded Israel. And they came and they took, they defeated Israel in the battle just as was promised because God said to the Israelites, his chosen nation, if you do not relent with your sin and turn back to me, I'm going to send you back into captivity. And, and they refused to relent and Babylon came over, took them into captivity. And not only the nation went into captivity, they also ransacked the temple and took the, the, the actual spiritual identity and guts out of this nation, out of this people called the Jews. And they took them into Babylon, into a 70-year period of, called the exile. 70 years, a people called Israel had no home. They lived in a foreign land, uh, foreign land as captives to the nation of Babylon. They lived in a land that was not their own. And I want to tell you, scholars tell us that this is not just something that happened, but it's something that happens today. I want to tell you this evening, you and I are not living in a land that is our home. And this is not some metaphor. This is some truth, biblical truth, that actually as Christ follows, our home is in heaven with God. So much so, 1 Peter tells us that we are aliens and strangers in this land. We're sojourners. This is just a brief moment before we see the objects of our faith becoming sight. When we see Jesus Christ come back for us, the, the, the New Testament writers wrote again and again this word, the parousia. It's 
the Greek word meaning keep your eyes on the sky. He's coming back. Keep your heart knowing that that is our, our true identity, our true home. This is just us in this moment, this, the 70 years that we have, plus minus here on earth. This is our exile. This is our moment of, inv- of, of living in Babylon. So much so, the man Jeremiah, you might have heard this prophetic word, the statement echoed. It might have been on a Christian's cup, coffee cup or on the back of your grandma's uh, toilet. Uh, there, read it as you sit at stool. Uh, and it says, uh, 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 Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. it says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope in the future, to prosper you, not to harm you. And it's beautiful. But here's the understanding is Jeremiah didn't prophesy this in a great church service with the keyboard going in the background and him wiping his brow. He, he, he didn't prophesy this at the height of revival. He didn't even prophesy this in a godly nation. Jeremiah prophesied this in Babylon. Jeremiah was one of those guys who was taken into captivity, and he did all this prophesying in the nation of, Je- of Babylon. But he was putting the people that actually we live for a different day. But then there comes this question. Okay, so if our hearts are, we are aliens and strangers here, and we are living for a different kingdom. The question then says, so what do we do with the here and now? What do we do with this brief moment called life on this planet? How do we live in light of that reality? I want to say to you this evening and present to you, that Christianity has uh, notoriously given us often two suggestions. Number one, the emphasis that we are called to, because this world is evil, because it's dark, it's dirty, and we want to stay away from it, we abandon culture. We abandon this planet, this, this thing that God, that we are in, this thing called life. So we abandon it. What does it look like for church folk often? Is they make church a bomb shelter. And we hide out in here and we throw angry uh, tweets and Facebook statuses at the world condemning them calling out that guy's wrong. How dare they write that? I can't believe they're taking away our freedoms and our privileges. And we write these angry Facebook tweets. Is that even possible? Facebook tweets? No. Socially media, media savvy. That's me. And we abandon. We actually put, go down. We say, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And we sing kumbaya and wait until Jesus comes and raptures us home. Can't wait. On the other side, there's the, the other emphasis where we just assimilate with culture. Don't, we don't just abandon it, but we assimilate. So we put up a mirror to culture. And we say, actually, we want to look the same as them. We want to do the same. We watch the same shows as them. We'll have the same jokes as them. We'll, we just want to blend in. And because if we blend in enough, maybe one day at a bri, we'll be able to pray a prayer and say, God bless at the end. And they'll know we are Christians. And, and there's this option of either abandoning culture or assimilating with it. I, w- I want to present to you that this series, we want to say that through the book of Daniel, this playbook of how to engage with culture here and now in a land that's not our home, there's a third option. Neither to abandon nor assimilate, but actually to affect culture. To live, not just to endure, but actually to influence culture. Jesus said it this way. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. He was not speaking abandoning language. He was not speaking assimilating language. He was speaking affecting language. Because when we abandon, all we do is we give truth with no grace. When we assimilate, we give grace, but with no truth. Jesus came and he said, in fullness, I came in grace and truth. And as we, as followers of Christ, we are going to pick up that call and we're going to learn how to do this in the here and now. Everyone okay for that? Welcome to church. Good to be together. So this evening, I want to tell you the series, the framework for four weeks is we want to actually, through these, this, these narratives, is answer the question, how do we have a faith that stands when everyone else is bolting from or bowing to the culture? 
How do we have a faith that stands? And my job this evening is simple. I want to help us with two practical steps from this text that we just read, but also from the grand narrative of Scripture on how to say no when it'll be easier to go with the flow. That's what I want you to leave tonight knowing. How, how, am I, how am I equipped to say no when it'll be easier to go with the flow? So here we go. Point number one, two points this evening, and then we're going to have coffee and go home. Point one is this. How to say no when it'll be easier to go with the flow. Number one, we have to know that you are called. Number one this evening, you have to know that you are called. The first thing that the Babylonian Empire does when they take this nation to captivity, I hope you noticed it, was the chief of staff renamed them. Now this is nothing new. This was not like, wow, revolutionary. This is standard procedure in the history books of what every empire that conquers another empire does. The first thing, the, the, the victory spoils, they get the slaves, those who've been uh, won as tribute. What they do is they, they rename them according to the culture, the language of the, the victorious kingdom. The reason they do this is they know that if we can get them to start to believe that they're one of us, if we can start to go at their identity and change their identity of who they are, they'll start to behave like us much quicker. It's, it's, it's genius. If we go in with whips and say, behave, behave, they might revolt. But if we go and we change their identity, then the behavior follows the believing very quickly. So what happens is, as we said in this thing, is that it's not that it just happened, but it happens. But we see in this text... If I want to walk us through it very quickly. There are four gentlemen. The first guy named Daniel. His name, Daniel, the Jewish understanding of his name is God is my judge. That's what Daniel means. God is my judge. His forefathers named him with this in mind that actually this is going to be a man that's going to be a pillar of strength in community. A man that's going to have integrity. A man that's going to be black and white. He's not going to be swayed. A man that's not going to just go with the flow. But God is my judge. A man of upright standing. He goes into captivity, and the name that he is given is Belteshazzar. Now, it might not be familiar to you. It's not one that you pick out of the hat for a baby's name very quickly, Belteshazzar. I'll tell you a reason why possibly not to either. That name means Lady Protector of the King. Yeah, strange couple nervous laughs. But this was not some flippant thing. This was intentional of the enemy, the strategy of the enemy, because the enemy will always try to rename you. And then enemy comes in and this man who is God is my judge gets renamed Lady Protector of the King. The enemy goes after sexuality and he has not stopped. As Mark was ministering earlier, the enemy still is going after our sexuality, trying to distort it, trying to believe the lie of who we are and who we're not. The enemy has not stopped doing that, still doing it, but he does it with Daniel. Let's move on. The next guy, his name is Hananiah. His name means awed by the goodness of God. What an epic name. This is the guy who walks around humming the song, you are good, good always. This was on repeat because he knew the goodness of God. He gets to Babylon and he gets renamed fearful of God. Not fearing God, but fearful of God. And the enemy gets in there and distorts the view of God, that God is good. But the enemy says, but he's not really that God is good. He's actually, you should be scared of him. You should be fearful of God. They go in his identity and rename these, gent- these, these four guys. Now, thirdly, a man named Mishael. His name means confident in God. This is the guy who would have sang the last song. We didn't get to the bridge, but saying, I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe, I believe you'll do it again. Confident in God, this guy. He gets to Babylon and to exile, they rename him, and his name 
Shadrach, Meshach, his name Meshach means ashamed and defeated. A guy whose name is confident in God gets renamed ashamed and defeated. This is not by chance. This is enemy strategy 101. The last guy, Azariah, his name means God is my helper. Yahweh is my helper. He gets renamed uh, Abednego, which basically means slave of Nego. Nego being a foreign Babylonian god. Slave of Nego. The enemy gets in and out of, we said this again and again, that this is not just something that happened, but this happens. And the enemy's tactics have not changed. Right here in today, this day and age we live, his tactic is to rename you. He wants to get in and rename you. Let me give this understanding in, 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 a, in story form. Years ago, when I was 21, not so many years ago, just about eight or nine, I arrived at Life Changes Church, fresh faced, bushy tailed, wanting to do something big for God. I came as a youth pastor, moved from Durban to this community, and I was loving Jesus. I wanted to, I was learning through my insecurities, learning what God had called me to do. The big story God was ripping me out of a small, small narrative into a bigger space. And there came a moment where, after a year here, at the young tender age of 22, uh, a good man who le- led the church before Mark arrived, Wally Gersmark, called me into a meeting with the other elders at the time. And this is not a slight on those men. They're good, godly men who I respect and love. It's more a reflection of my own heart. But in this meeting, Wally brought it up, and there was a lot of other factors at play. He said, guys, I want to bring Gabe onto eldership. You could have heard crickets. And the first thing that came out of one of these guys' mouths, and I understand it, but they said, he's not qualified. And I'm sitting there going, should I leave the room or I'm here? And for the next five, ten minutes, they bandied around. And there was a lot of other factors at play, but they started to go through the reasons why I was not qualified. And I was just sitting there going, this is really awkward. And I remember leaving firstly legitimately going, I'm angry. How dare they? Don't they know how many hours I put in here? How can they just go assassinate my character like that? You know, the legitimate, the illegitimate response we all do, you know, self-protection kicks in. But as the couple of weeks went, as this thing was working its way out, I remember the enemy getting into my heart. The enemy started to say that word, hey, unqualified. Maybe you are unqualified. And then, and, and I started to wrestle with this and I started to go, yeah, maybe I am too young. I'm 22. What, what do I know? I haven't been to Bible college. What will I teach people? And the enemy's saying, you're actually unqualified. You're not married. You don't have kids. You've got no life experience. You've got zilch. Nothing going for you. And actually, in fact, only a few years ago, you're struggling with addiction to pornography. Have you walked a long journey to make sure that thing's really dead? Actually, you're unqualified for this. And I started to believe this name, the renaming process, not as avert as they say in the scripture here where they stand and say, your name shall be. This is the enemy is much more subtle. And he gets in through words of friends, through lies, through, through things that we have believed. And the enemy got in there. And I remember a day where I phoned my dad and I said, Dad, he lives in Durban. I said, I'm done. I, I, I can't do this. I'm coming home. If they, don't, if they don't need me, I don't want to be here. And I remember my dad. I thank God for my dad and other men over the years who've spoken at key moments, intervened at key moments. And, and my dad said in a quiet way, he said, Gab? And I said, yeah. He said, who called you to Cape Town? I hated that question. I hated it. I was quiet for a while because I knew where I was going. I said, God called me dad. And he said, okay, well, if God called you, who are you to run away from that? And in that moment, I was presented with an opportunity. Will I abandon? Will I just say, actually, I'm out of here. This moment of opposition has come. I'm out of here. I'm gone. 
Or will I assimilate? Will I actually just believe unqualified and put my head down, sulk about, not leave, but just actually, you know what, I'm not going to, who cares what they think about me anyway, and just sulk about. But actually, no, in that moment, God gave me a third option. Will you choose to believe who I've called you to be? You are called. We've got to understand this element because I believe even tonight that God is wanting to deal with things in our lives. As I was revisiting that story, I felt that the, God was reminding me that I think the enemy, is, he's at play. And he's speaking words of disqualification. He's been whispering for throughout the week, throughout the months, been whispering in your ear, unqualified. You think, you're like, actually, I've, I've, I've fallen short as a dad. I've fallen short as a husband, as a, a wife, as a spouse. I had a young guy come today a couple of weeks ago saying, actually, been married for this short length of time, but I'm not cut out for this. I don't think it was the right time. I'm out of it. I can't do it. The enemy has got in there. The enemy is whispering the unqualified, not up to the challenge. Abandon ship. And actually, I believe God is saying he's wanting to put truth in our hearts. Maybe you're saying, I'm unqualified as a Christ follower. I've disqualified myself too many times. But God is saying a different word, and he's preaching and renaming you to who you really are. Some of you, I want to tell you this evening that the enemy will name you by your past, by what you've done or what you haven't done. But Jesus always names you by your future and what he has done. The enemy will always remind you of where you've been. Jesus always reminds you where you're going. He names you according to where you're headed, your future. Some of you don't believe me this evening, so I'm going to have to do some work here. Thanks for making me work. There's a character. This is all over scripture, littered all over scripture. A man named Abram. At the age of 75. 75 years old with no children, nothing of, of, of biologically for his family to show of 75 years. And uh, he's there as, a, as an older gentleman. The angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Abram, I'm changing your name, buddy. You're going to be called Abraham, which means father of many nations. And, and, and I can imagine the conversation, Abraham going, God, are you doing that sarcastic thing where you call the fat guy tiny? Because I'm not a... This is a bit harsh, a bit tough for me. It's a sore point for me, God. God, no, you are, this is who you are. You are called father of many nations. Now, let me tell you, 25 years, because this is what happened. He gets that word at the age of 75. He actually only sees the fruit of that name when he turns 100. The first element of the fruit. 25 years from when God says, this is who you are, to actually seeing it. 25 years. Now, 25 years is a long time. 25 years ago was 1992. I was the age of Daniel Van Pletsen. My wife was two. There was nothing going on between us then. That would just be weird. In 1992, some of us still thought that Millie Vanilli were the real deal and weren't lip syncing. In 92, we thought Macaulay Culkin was good looking. He's not. Some of us thought that Home Alone would only have one show. No, they've had multiples over the years. 92 is so long ago that, that actually 25 years he waited out to endure. Can you imagine Abraham going to Bryce with his little cooler box and lays chips? He gets there and introduces himself to a new guy. And they say, hey, what's your name, bud? He says, father of many nations. And they go, did you have a babysitter at home? Where are your kids? He had to deal with this insecurity. This is who God has called me. The enemy going in again and again, unqualified, unqualified, unqualified. But he had to stand and believe who God had called him to be. He's still not convinced. There's another gentleman named Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, a phenomenal passage of scripture where Peter has this revelation of who Jesus is. 
And in response to this, Jesus has this renaming moment. He says, Simon Peter, from this moment you're going to be known as Cephas. Peter, meaning the rock. The original Dwayne Johnson. He says, Peter, you're going to be the rock. That's your name. And I can imagine the other 11 boys, the disciples going, the rock, this oh. He's the most emotionally unstable of, our, of the lot of us. He's always flying off the handle. He's always throwing tantrums. He's always saying the wrong thing. Even Judas is better than this dude. The rock. Come on. And, and I can imagine Peter's chest swaying. I'm the rock. Two verses down. Two verses down. He's saying he's messing up. And Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. Two verses down. This is the guy. And, and he has the thing. Being called Satan by Jesus wasn't even his worst day. It wasn't. Years, a few little moments later, Jesus, he denies Jesus three times. The Bible tells us the last time he denied him with an eye shot of Jesus. Jesus was looking at him. And he said, I do not know that guy. Deny Jesus. Many of us would say, that's the unforgivable sin. Not according to Jesus. This is how patient Jesus is. This is how believe Jesus. If Jesus named you, he says, I'm faithful to see it through to completion. Jesus is faithful to who he is. Because it's his word. And he says, my word never returns me void. Uh, this is fundamentally huge for us. He, Peter, years later, was called out as an avert racist. Paul said, Peter, you're a racist. And it was years, only if we got had time to get to 1 and 2 Peter, the books Peter wrote, where you see the rock coming into play, settling a church in crisis when a church was under persecution. The rock started to be the man, the man that God had called him to be. What am I getting at this evening? I, I, I want to remind us that Jesus has seen us at our worst. He has seen the most, he knows the most despicable thoughts that have gone in your head. He knows the things you've plotted, the things you've thought about, the things you've fantasized about, the things you've done in secret, the thing nobody knows. He has seen you at your worst. And yet, because of Jesus, he's still unashamed to call you son, daughter. He's still unashamed to call you the righteousness of God. He's still unashamed to call you beloved. He's still unashamed to call you more than conqueror in Christ Jesus. Because he has called you and he says, I want to name you. Will you respond to that name? The Bible calls us imputed righteousness. He has given us his righteousness. We have to understand this. This is a gift that's not earned. It's not because of your great track record or the promises you make or how religious you are. No, no, no. It's the imputed righteousness of Christ. He has given us righteousness. He has taken our old and he's given us his new. And we have to understand this. My understanding of this notion is that I appeal to you. Can we become more consumed with our calling than with our sin? Can we become more consumed with who Jesus called us to be than with our sin? Because here's the kicker. That's what Jesus is consumed with. Because he's paid for our sin. He's died once and for all, Hebrews tells us. Never to die again. He's paid for it. And in that moment on the cross, he dispensed righteousness for you and I. That declares us sons and daughters. No matter what the enemy has said, unqualified, Jesus has said son. He said daughter. Secondly, this evening as we... Move on. We have to understand. We called secondly though from this text. We have to understand that we are empowered. You are empowered. We have to know this because this is not some light and fluffy gospel I'm preaching. This is not some new age version of the secret. Send out positive thoughts about yourself. No, I'm not saying that at all. Where, where you just, if you believe it, you become it. No, 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 no. We start with our identity, knowing who God has called us to be. But this is amazing. He did not just give us um, identity and say, this is your name. Good luck. We'll see you in heaven. 
He didn't send us out to the wolves. Uh, this, this thing called planet earth where we're living, where we're going to have temptation left and right. And we're just going to fall prey to temptation and again and again, powerless to withstand it. No, no. He's given us his Holy Spirit as well to empower us in his name. There's a story I love to tell was in Zimbabwe. We used to play cricket, the three brothers. I'm the youngest of three. And whenever one of the older brother in anger would bowl a bouncer, they would go over the fence, the rickety fence, into the neighbor's yard. It was up to me. I think it was, uh, it was written in the family constitution that youngest brother has to go over and fetch the ball. Well, that's at least what they told me. We drew lots and you go over every time. Um, and this one time, I remember the bouncer went over, the ball went, and I had to climb. My brother's pushing me up on the fence. I looked over this rickety fence and seeing the, the, the tennis ball that we'd been playing with had been wrapped up in tape just so it would swing properly was, was lying on the grass next to the pool and just, just like tempting you to go. And, 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 and there was like all this calm, the calm before the storm. And I would tiptoe across the lawn. I want to tell you the, 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 the fear that was inside my heart was because we knew that this, we weren't, I wasn't being sent out to the wolves. I was being sent out to the Rottweilers next door. The family store had two Rottweilers, one named Sheba, which I still sometimes wake up screaming, Sheba, no! And I would tiptoe across. And as I'd pick up the tennis ball, my brothers, as the godly, God-fearing, sadistic men that they were, would start whacking the fence and say, Sheba, seek him! Sheba, seek him! And I'd have to just get, just chariots of fire, eye of the tiger, and I was over the thing as you heard whispering death come around the, those dogs were coming. And I want to tell you, white men can jump. I scaled that fence in one leap. But, but I, I want to, I, I want to remind us that we haven't been sent out to, to the, to the wolves like that. Jesus hasn't just sent us and going, good luck, hope you're okay, I hope you make it. I've given you a new identity, but actually, no, he's empowered us with the spirit. He's poured out his spirit, his nature inside of us that allows us to walk this, outwalk this nature, outwalk this new name that we've been given. Let me explain it in this light. Daniel is in this culture. He's been renamed, but he keeps holding on to his identity. And this moment comes where they offer him the food that has been sacrificed to idols. Daniel's got this opportunity. Do I, do I abandon and write an angry Facebook thing saying, I can't believe the king here is making us eat this food. Hashtag can't believe it. Angry face. Ugh. And just, you know, does he abandon it and stomp around saying, I don't want to do this and cause a, a stink and then, and, and lose all the influence that he's got? Or does he assimilate and just say, guys, let's just, we just go along with the flow. Let's just eat the food. You know what? It's just food after all. What's just one meal? And you know, maybe after a few meals, they'll let us pray and, and, and I'll pray the gospel in that moment, you know, and they'll, they'll hear it. No, you know, it's like he doesn't, he doesn't choose to abandon. He doesn't choose to assimilate. He chooses to affect in that moment. And Daniel says, actually, I've got a, another option. How about you, you, you test us in this? Daniel has been empowered by the Spirit to outwalk his integrity, outwalk who God has called him to be. He has another preacher said it, and this might be helpful common language for you and I. The phone is ringing, but we don't have to pick up. Let me say it again. The phone is ringing, but we don't have to pick up. Maybe for you this is the phone of lust is ringing, but you've been empowered not to pick up. In this world, there will be those temptations. The Bible says that there is temptations. There's these moments that will come. The phone, the phone of greed is ringing, but you don't have to pick up. The phone of anger is ringing, but you don't have to pick up. The phone of depression is ringing, but you don't have to pick, be pick up. Why? Because you've been named by him and you've been empowered by him to walk in that name. This is the understanding 
for you and I, and I love to know, for you to know this, that He will not ask you, Jesus will not ask you to do what He has not empowered you to do. He will not call you to do something and say, but I hope, but I'm not going to give you any strength to do it. He says, what I've called you to do, I will back completely. Why? Because it's not about our strength. He's not looking for false bravado. He's not looking for super strong, fit, amazingly spiritual people. He's looking for ordinary men and women saying, I want to show off an extraordinary God through you. If you trust me. This, this evening, as I call the band up, the band can come up very quickly. Maybe you're here this evening, and uh, and you've just feel that the, the word unqualified has been shouted over you for a long time. The enemy has got up again and again and just declared unqualified, unqualified over you. Maybe it's because you've stumbled over the same addiction again and again. Maybe you keep falling at the same thing, saying, this is just who I am, I can't beat it. Well, I've been there. For most of my teenage years, I believed the call, the, the name of me that I was an addict. That I said 99% of guys do it and 1% lie because I was addicted to internet pornography. And I believed the lie that I could not get out of it. And I, I was like, yeah, Jesus loves me, but, I don't, I, but actually I'm, I'm an addict. I, I, I've got to keep my head down. I can't live in the fullness that God has got for me because the enemy of God is going to start to rename me, you're an addict. And the truth of the gospel needed to get in, to rename me. Maybe the enemy's been lying to you and saying, unqualified in your marriage. And you say, I can't do this anymore. Unqualified as a parent. Unqualified in your emotions. Just you saying, life is so big, I can't do it. We'll tell you, yes, you can. Yes, you can. It's not only Barack Obama's political phrase. It's the gospel declaring to you tonight. Yes, you can. Why? Because you've been given a new name. You're called and you're empowered. Not because you're amazing. Let me take that off you. Not because you're great. Not because you've got a perfect track record or because you're making another promise tonight. I believe that you can respond in this moment and be a person who influences and affects culture, affects where you are, no matter how tough it is. Maybe you're saying, the boss is, I just can't work here. I want a different, bo- a different job. God's saying, you're called, you're empowered. You can affect in the hardest situation. Why? Because Jesus Christ has answered the call for you and I. Let's close our eyes in this moment. I want to tell you about my Savior named Jesus, who as he climbed that hill of Golgotha, as he climbed Calvary that day, that barking dog called Satan yelled out through the voice of man saying, as Jesus carried the sin and weight of the world, the barking dog said, isn't that, isn't that the bastard? Isn't that the son who was born out of wedlock? The enemy yelled out, isn't, isn't that Joseph, the carpenter's son? Isn't he just from that backwater town, Nazareth? The enemy started saying, physician, heal yourself. The words of the Pharisees, isn't he a demon? Isn't he from Satan? The words started to come at Jesus. As the words came, king of the Jews, sarcastically they said, save yourself. And the enemy tried to re- rename and name Jesus and shrink him down. And yelling out again and again, unqualified. But our savior... Knew the affection of the Father. He knew the words of the Father. This is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. He knew that the Father was with him and empowering him to do this job. And as he died that day and righteousness was dispensed to you and I, as the this Holy Spirit was poured out to awaken dead souls to what God has called them to do, the Father, Scripture tells in Philippians 2, the Father gave Jesus the name above all names. 
the name above all names. I want to tell you, whatever name the enemy has labeled you, reject, failure, addict, write-off, loser, lazy, apathetic, weak-willed, unqualified. I want to tell you, there's a name above every other name that is declaring a different name tonight. A different name and saying, son, daughter, beloved, righteousness of God, more than conqueror. Tonight, I ask you, would you respond that you're called, you're empowered? If that's you this evening, I want to pray for you. So I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Would you stand? If you're saying, actually, I've had enough of being called unqualified, I want to receive who Jesus calls me to be. Would you stand this evening? If you're standing, I'll ask you to lift your hands to Jesus, not to get his attention. He's not short-sighted. It's just a posture of surrender, saying, Jesus, I don't make the grade, so I want to make the trade. I fall short, but you make up my weakness. In my weakness, you are strong. I thank you, Father God, right now. This is a posture of repentance as we lay down the lie of the enemy, as we lay down the rejection that we've carried for too long, where we lay down the unqualified nature, where the words of the, whether it's a father, whether it's a boss, whether it's a spouse, whether it's just a belief system where the enemy has said, unqualified. Right now, in this moment, the qualification of heaven bellows out. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is my beloved. This is the righteousness of God. And I thank you, Father God, that the lies are being shattered right now. That we are a people who start to have a different name with a different power source that we're able to walk in that name. Not with hypocrisy. Not with just believe it till it happens. But actually, we are assuming who you have called us to be. I thank you, Father God, you're realigning identities. I thank you, even God, where people, dreams have been dropped, where destinies have been dropped, where moments have been given up, where they've, inheritance have been given up because of silly things that we've done, and we think we've gone too far. Thank you, Jesus. You say, I don't name you by your past. I don't name you by what you've done or haven't done. I name you by what I have done and who you are becoming. Fathers of nations, the rock, son, daughter, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Would you come now as we respond in faith to your preached word? Would your spirit go deep in our hearts, deeper, deeper past superficial levels, deeper past our intellect into the spirit realm and awaken sons and daughters to your grand call?